This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Don Campbell writes about being at a conference, and he said after the hearing a message at a Bible conference on how to cope with discouragement, he said three people greeted the speaker. A young mother who had not slept the previous night because her husband had come home at 10.30 p.m. and announced he was divorcing her. A pastor whose teenage daughter was rebelling against the Lord and a Christian worker whose husband had entered the hospital for treatment of a brain tumor. One of the pastors there said, the trouble is we are facing problems today in our culture we cannot solve. There's a customer I have, the salesman says, that I must sell. There's an exam I must take. I've got to pass it or else. This debt I have to pay. Those in-laws I must endure. That habit I must break in this marriage. I must save. And Don Campbell's right. Everyone in this room today has what I call an uncrossable river in your life. You say, what do you mean by that? There's something going on in your life, a river that you can't cross. You can't get over it. It could be a past failure. It could be guilt over something that happened 20 years ago. It could be a family issue. There's any number of things that are uncrossable rivers in your life. You say, why are you talking about uncrossable rivers? Because today in Joshua 3, our third message, we discuss where Joshua had to lead the people of God crossing the Jordan River. Now get this, the river was at flood stage. You say, what difference does that make? A lot. It means the river was not only wider, the river was deeper. There were people that speculated it was 10 to 12 feet deep. It was probably an extra 100 feet wide because of the flood stage. And get this, we're not talking about a few hundred people going across the Jordan River. We're talking a half a million to a million. One half million to a million people crossing the Jordan River. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they come to the river where they cross the river into the promised land. I'm going to let you in on a little secret real early in the message. You know, when you cross a river, you may think, it's over. We cross the river. You know what you discover? Another river. Another problem, another crisis, another medical issue. And so it is, there are many rivers that people cross, and the final river is the river of dying. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes about crossing what Bill Gaither referred to as the final river, the final war with pain, and about crossing that river into glory, into being with the Lord forever. I want to review the first two messages before we begin the third. I won't be able to do this every week, but I can do it today. The first message from Joshua 1 was successful in whose eyes? It's a theme of the series. You see signs up around the building. Joshua finds out that success is not tied into victory. It's tied in to who you're related to, who you're connected to. If you're praying for a husband to be successful, I hope you're praying for him to be in a right relationship with the Lord. That's success. You're praying for a wife to be successful in what she does in her endeavors. I hope you're praying for her to be close to the Lord because that's where success is. 
Success isn't connected to victory, achievement, sales record, degree we receive from an institution. Success ultimately is being rightly related to the Lord through His Son, Jesus Christ. Most men in America don't get that. Most women, most young people in the United States of America don't get it, but success is connected to being in a right relationship with the Lord. Most men in America don't get that. Most women, most young people in the United States of America don't get it, but success is connected to being in a right relationship with the Lord. The second message was chapter 2, Rahab, a woman with a past, a woman with a problem. She was a prostitute. She ran a house of ill repute in the city of Jericho. And people are quick to point out her moral flaws, and I'm quick to point out what she believed in. She believed in the true God. Somewhere along the line in her life, she came to believe that God was God, that the real God was the God of Israel, and that he was the one that had the power to save a nation and to save a life. And that's the greatest moment in your life, is when you come to the realization that Jesus is Lord. It's an inside job of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your spirit and you realize maybe for the first time, Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, let's read Joshua 3, the third message about crossing the Jordan. We're going to do it in sections. It's a long 17 verses, but we'll break it up a little, starting with verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. Remember, half a million people or more giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. That's an interesting thought. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5 will stop. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate or sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I don't know what you think about going 40 years waiting for something to happen, and then it happens after 40 years. The day came. You may have waited a long time for something to happen in your life. You may still be waiting. And life is about waiting for people to change, circumstances to change, opportunities to change. And then the day comes. The day comes. And that's what happened to Israel. I want you to notice that the Ark of the Covenant was held up as a symbol to follow. Not something to worship, but something to follow. It represented the presence of God is what it did. It contained the Ten Commandments. It contained other holy things, so to speak. Joshua tells the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant leading the way, you follow it. What do you follow in life? Everybody follows something. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. 
What's going on in your life that you've never gone through before? You say, what do you mean, Randy? Are you going through an issue or crisis in your life that you have never gone through before? Are you going through something physically, emotionally, medically that you've never gone through before? I hope you realize that God wants to be with you in those trips, those journeys of going somewhere you've never been before. But keep a distance, he said, of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Don't go near it. It wasn't to keep them away from it, but it was to keep it in the eyes of everyone. I'd rather tell one thing to you that you've never heard before than tell you five things that you've heard 20 times before, if that makes sense. Here's something I think some of you have never heard before. Consecrate or sanctify yourselves, verse 5, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I was thinking about it this week. I've heard sermons where ministers at this point in the juncture of the message will say, here's what you need to do to sanctify yourself. And they'll give you five things you need to do. And they're legitimate things. Repent. Pray. Read the Bible. Go to church, etc. But you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to ask you to get alone today and say, Lord, what do you want me to do to consecrate myself? What do I need to do to sanctify myself? What is it that I personally need to do? And you know what? Lord will tell different people different things. And here's what I really think is up right now. Some of you know already what he would tell you. Some of you know right now what it is the Lord would tell you to do. I heard a minister this week talking about speaking to a group of drug addicts. Can you imagine that's a pretty tough audience? He gave the invitation. He referred to the front here, and I have no problem with people referring to it as the altar. It's not the altar, but I understood what he meant. And he said, I want people in this room right now to come down and lay at the altar your needles. And some of you have pill bottles in your purse. You have it in your pocket. And I want you to come and lay those things down here. And people did by the dozens. There were needles. Can you imagine how dangerous that would have felt to have all those needles there and bottles of drugs? And I know what some people would say, well, they just went out and bought more. Yeah, some of them probably did. But some of them didn't. They laid it down. And here's what I'm going to tell you what consecrating yourself means today. Laying something down in your life that you need to lay down. I'm not talking about drugs necessarily. I'm not talking about needles necessarily. I'm talking about laying down hatred of somebody in your family. I'm talking about laying down some bitterness or resentment toward a brother or sister. Laying down something that inhibits a relationship with another person. You know what it is. So instead of the preacher today giving you five things you need to do to consecrate yourself to the Lord, this preacher's telling you, go home and pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to hand over to you? And I think the Lord will do that. Alan Redpath takes it a step further. Most of us are too big for God to use. What a statement. 
Most of us are too big for God to use. We're too full of ourselves. We're too full of our own schemes, our own way of doing things. But God gives us power to the faint, gives his power to the faint, and gives might to those who have no strength. Consecrating yourself is a personal decision, and it's also a personal prayer request. God, what do you want me to do to consecrate myself to the Lord? Let's pick it up in verse 6. And we'll do exactly that tomorrow on Cross Hope. But I want to go back to that question. Will you ask the Lord today what He wants you to do to sanctify or consecrate your life? You might be surprised at what He would tell you, what He would lead you to do. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Do it today. Crosshope.org. Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carry the ark of the covenant, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you. Now listen to these weird names, okay? The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hiviites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. I want to talk about several things out of that passage. First of all, he says to Joshua, the Lord's going to exalt you, Joshua. You know what that means? So many people like to be self-declared leaders. We all know them. People that have declared themselves, I'm the boss. I'm in charge of this family. I'm in charge of this organization. I'm in charge of this group of people. And the Lord tells Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of the people. It's all about being connected to me, Joshua. That's a powerful lesson, not just for a spiritual leader of a nation known Israel. It's just good business in a family. Don't look to other people to exalt you when the Lord's the one who says, I can lift you up. I can be the one that can exalt you in the eyes of your family or whatever the case may be. I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, the Lord said, so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. Do you know what the most important leadership quality for Joshua was? I'm going to whisper it. God was with him. That was the most important leadership qualification that he could have. And then he goes on to tell him in verse 10, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. He will drive out, and then he names seven nations. You've got to understand about these nations. This is really graphic, what I'm going to tell you. This wasn't groups of people that were just family groups and how terrible the Lord was to push these families out. Most of them practiced infant sacrifice. You understand that? They would sacrifice their own babies on an altar 
And that's what these nations practice, infant sacrifice. They would sacrifice a child, maybe a five or six-year-old, in a fire. The people of Molech were known for that. They would throw them into a fire. It's unbelievable what these nations did. So we're not talking about decent people that the Lord ordered Joshua to drive out of the Holy Land. These were people who practiced gross sin and abomination, abomination to the Lord. Now, here's what I want to suggest to you. He said, this is how you will know that the living God is among you, that he will certainly drive out before you these seven nations. What does the Lord need to drive out of your life, my life? Did you hear me, what I just said? What does the Lord need to drive out of your life and my life? And I want to suggest to you that one way the Lord declares His power and demonstrates His power is what He delivers you from in your life. Most people don't get that. During World War II, the Army Air Corps had a special squadron known as the Pathfinders. It was made up of the best pilots in the Air Force. The Pathfinders were sent in before the main force of bombers to mark the targets. They had special incendiary bombs that set alight the targets so the squadrons would know where to drop the bombs. They were not distracted by the anti-aircraft fire or the night fighters sent to get them. These were men full of courage that could be counted on to fulfill their mission. They risked their lives so that other pilots could make their mission successful. In the same way, Israel was to learn that God would go before them into Canaan. He would march before them and drive out the enemy. They just had to follow the Lord. Earlier I asked you to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do to consecrate myself to you? Now I'm going to ask you to make another prayer out of this passage. Lord, what is it that you need to drive out of my life? It could be an attitude. It could be a hang-up. It could be something that's a besetting sin. That's what the Bible calls it in King James language. A besetting sin is something that dogs at your heels all the time. It's the sin that doesn't go away, so to speak. And this is an account of the Lord going ahead of His people to demonstrate His strength. I will be the one to deliver you from these people. Jump to verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over the opposite of Jericho. The next verse is they crossed on dry ground. You say, you really believe that? Yeah, I do. Why? Because they believe God. I believe that because I believe God, and I hope you do too. Someday you're going to come to the last river, just like the Israelites came to the Jordan River. So am I. And I don't know when that final river is for you. You don't know when it is for you. You don't know where it is for the next person next to you. 
But let me tell you something, we're all going to come to the edge of the river unless the Lord's return prevents it. Decide. Decide what Joshua had to decide, that unless the Lord was with him, he didn't have any leadership skills at all. Decide that you were going to consecrate yourself to the Lord in such a way where you weren't going to let a preacher tell you how to consecrate your lives. You were going to ask God himself, Lord, what do you want me to do to consecrate my life to you? And then you were going to be someone who was going to trust the Lord to deliver from you and out of your life, that which needs to come out of your life, just like he delivered Israel from those seven nations with the funny names who practiced the most abominable things you can imagine, including killing their own children in the name of religion. And they had to be delivered from those people. That's what they were pushing out of the land so that God could reign. And here's the event I want you to remember. It's the day that you got on your knees figuratively or literally and said, Lord, what needs to happen in my life in your name? Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it today. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.